Girlfriends, episode number 26. Slow down and savor summer. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. It makes me so happy that you come here every week and we get to share this time together. This week, we're talking about slowing down and savoring summer because, you know, last week we talked about how to fit in special projects, how to make time in your day. And that started to feel a little unbalanced to me. Summer isn't just about cramming in everything you can, although I do recommend setting goals for yourself and making time for special projects. Summer's also about slowing down. There's so much going on in summer. I mean, this is a great example of it. I'm sitting here pre-recording this um, for this coming week to publish on the 27th because my baby brother is getting married on the 25th and we're going to be traveling to Pennsylvania. Um, he's uh, marrying a, a woman that we haven't yet met. So it's going to be kind of an exciting first meeting. Uh, I've gotten to know her a little bit through online and through what my brother shared. Uh, so it's going to be our first time meeting her. Plus she has two daughters. So I'm going to get some instant nieces, which is great. My kids are going to get some Insta cousins. And we're really looking forward to uh, enjoying that time together as a family. Anyway, it's going to make for a crazy kind of next few weeks here because I think I shared with you last time that I'm going to be recording the gist beginning next Monday, the 27th. So I'm going to be in Boston after our trip to Pennsylvania. I'm going to be there through the week next week. But I hope to record a fun episode of Girlfriends podcast with some people who work with me on the gist. I think it'll be fun to kind of show you some of the behind the scenes stuff and let you meet some of the people who work on the program with me, share a little bit more about Catholic TV and all the awesome stuff they do there. So that's what I'm hoping for for next week. We'll see if I pull it off. Um, And then I'm going to be pre-recording even more because as I said, summer is crazy sometimes. Our schedules are crazy. And shortly after I returned from my trip to Boston recording the gist, Dan and I are actually going to be in France for 10 days. Um, sounds great, but it's a working trip for me. Um, Dan's tagging along. I'm trying to convince him to help me make it more fun and we can do some good things, maybe travel a little bit um, in Europe during the time that I'm there. I'm going to have a weekend. I'm going to have a little time off. Anyway, that's over the course of 10 days in July. So I'm not positive how easy it's going to be to keep up my recordings of the podcast while I'm there. So I'm hoping to get some things, you know, in the pipeline, even if I have to do some abbreviated episodes. You know, this is what summer's about, you know. Um, So anyway, I'm pre-recording this. I'm recording it actually sitting out in my tiki hut. Um, I don't know if you all know, but I have a tiki hut. Uh, The history of this is that uh, four years ago when I turned 40, I kind of forced Dan to put on a big party for me all year long. I kept telling people that Dan was going to throw me a big party for my 40th birthday, and I invited people all year long. So um, when my 40th birthday rolled around, he decided to kind of make a big event out of it. So all these people I'd invited all year long would have an event to show up for. And um, he told me he was going to build me a tiki hut. You know, I was kind of familiar with what a tiki hut was from traveling to the Caribbean and whatnot that, you know, it's like a nice little bar, like with a roof on it or might have some thatch or whatever. Well, um, you know, Dan 
his love language is building. I mean, he built our house. He he does major projects as a way of expressing his affection and devotion to you. So what he did was build an actual like building on our property. Now we have 10 acres here, so we have the space for it. But this is New Hampshire. So it might be one of the very few tiki huts in the entire state of New Hampshire. I don't know. But I was surprised when I knew he was planning this. And then um, one day he was he rented some equipment to drill these giant holes in the ground. And then next thing I knew, a concrete mixer was backing up in my front yard and, um, you know, pouring the foundation for this thing. And um, it's it's not, you know, it's it doesn't have, it doesn't have closed off walls. It's got open open walls and some partial walls, but it has a, a full roof that Dan covers with real thatch. He takes it down in the wintertime because, as I said, this is New Hampshire, but it's beautiful. It's a lovely place to sit. There's like, he, he made up like a little kind of couch in here. There's a full bar in here. Um, there's sand on the ground. He filled it with sand on the ground so that it's like you're at the beach. And every year he does a little bit more with it. Um, I love having this space. I love having it for hanging out with friends. Um, you know, watching the kids when they're playing in the pool or just sitting out here with a book or with some work. It's or having my morning coffee out here. It really was the best present in the world, even though I was surprised at the time that he started building it. I didn't know exactly what he was doing there, but it turned out to be a pretty fabulously awesome thing that he adds to every year. You know, we've got some nice kind of uh, tropical uh, decorations in here and the kids love to just sit and play in the sand in here like they're at the beach you know just with buckets and shovels and whatnot we also when we have parties we've set up our, our karaoke system in here at night and it's just a ton of fun it's a great space and we've made a lot of memories in it already so anyway there's a shout out to my husband for the awesomest 40th birthday present ever my tiki hut um, so that's where I'm recording I don't think I've recorded out here before and you might hear some of my chickens in the background. So yeah, talking about slowing down and savoring summer, chickens help me to do that. I shared with you last time that we're doing this new thing where we let our chickens kind of free range. And I'm okay, I'm a crazy chicken lady. I love chickens. I think they're hilarious. They are so dumb and so cute. And they provide us with eggs. I think I already shared with you how awesome I think eggs are, like the world's most perfect food. And uh, I just absolutely love having chickens. They're like yard decorations walking around. Um, we got to the point where our dog Apollo, even though he's a bird dog, would leave the chickens alone, mostly. Every once in a while, we'll catch him kind of like stalking one, like creeping up on it. And we just shout his name and he remembers himself that these are pets and we don't hunt the chickens. Um, but anyway, we have them kind of free ranging. And uh, before I get on with the topic, which I will do here in a minute, I, I wanted to share with you a little bit. Uh, last week, we had like a crisis in our chicken coop. Now, we've had various animals get into our chicken coop. We've had bears, black bears out there. Um, but what happened was... We went out in the morning and one of our ducks, we have three ducks that we keep in with the chickens, um, was dead and uh, just a really gross kind of bloody scene, but not messy, just like dead in the corner and most of the flesh was eaten off of it and the feathers were removed. Really gross scene. Anyway, um, so Katery, my oldest daughter who helps out with the chickens, was the one who discovered this gruesome scene. And I couldn't figure it out because I was the one who had locked up the chickens the night before. And 
you know, I didn't do a thorough check in the coop, but I thought maybe something got this in the daytime because our coop is really secure. I mean, Dan beer proofed this thing. So I thought maybe something got it in the day when the coop was opened up. I didn't notice. And I locked up the chickens with this gross scene all night long. And uh, anyway, chickens are dumb. I consoled myself with the idea that none of them were traumatized by this situation. And um, so we thought, you know, maybe it was just like this freak thing. Well, no, the next day, another duck was dead in exactly the same way. And um, we knew this time it had happened at night because I'd made sure that they were secure in their coop and nothing weird was going on. So something was getting in at night, eating a duck and then leaving. Uh, so this was the great mystery. And uh, Stephen and Dan and I went out there and were kind of examining the coop. And we thought maybe it was the floorboards were compromised. No, that wasn't it. And then we ended up finding this place that's up where... Now, I don't know. Dan will die if he ever listens to this because I don't know the parts of buildings. Rafters, the, the, okay, you've got the side of the building and then the roof that comes down over it. There was a little bit of space in there at the front of the coop and we saw these little claw marks all around there. So I thought, okay, maybe a fox or something is getting in there. So we just took a board and we put it up in that spot to kind of cover that area to block it and Dan screwed it in. And so we just tried that. And sure enough, um, the duck was not eaten, <laughs> didn't, but something did come back in the night um, because we saw these little paw prints, muddy little paw prints all over that spot where the claw marks had been and where we now had covered it with this board to kind of block off that very narrow space. Anyway, Stephen did some super sleuthing. Uh, Stephen's 14, and we've got some great books for, um, you know, looking up animal tracks. And he figured it's a raccoon because um, they're the only ones that have five fingers on their, their paw marks. And it couldn't be a fox because a fox has much more of a dog print. Anyway, we had these perfect little paw prints. So we could do this perfect de detective work and find out that it was a raccoon who was sneaking in there and killing our ducks. Um, so anyway... I feel like a hero because I saved a duck's life or actually supported my husband and son in saving a duck's life. <laughs> anyway, these are the adventures of having chickens. And I actually really enjoy it a lot. Not the not the killing or the, the burying of the ducks part, but just being connected with nature in that way. I think it's uh, really kind of fun. It's kind of neat. And I love my chickens. So if you love your chickens, let me know. Uh, I'd love to share about your chickens on a future episode. Anyway, chickens are part of slowing down and savoring summer, at least for me. Um, so the first thing I want to mention, and this is something you can do whether you have chickens or not, but um, the first tip I have for slowing down and savoring summer is to be present. Be present. And this is something we're always being told to do. I roll my eyes about the mom blogs and podcasts that are like, enjoy every moment, you know, because I feel like that's really setting people up for failure. Nobody enjoys every moment. You know, some moments really stink. And it's important to recognize that. So I'm when I'm saying be present, I mean, allow yourself to just do one thing, allow yourself to slow down in that way, allow yourself to just focus on one thing at a time, even if it's something really simple, like enjoying dinner with your family, or sitting out in the yard while the kids play in the sprinkler or um, taking a walk with your husband, whatever it is, just allow yourself to be fully present in that moment, not distracted by technology or a thousand things running through your head that you need to get done or, you know, uh, different things on your schedule. Allow yourself to be present in a moment that you're enjoying. I'm not saying you have to enjoy every moment and savor every moment, but give yourself permission this summer, especially to find some times where 
you really are enjoying just being with people that you love and doing something that you enjoy together. Maybe you're going to, um, you know, visit a lake or hiking a trail or um, whatever it is you enjoy doing together as a family. Give yourself permission to just let go and focus on being present in that one thing. I think it's so important and it's a way that we can all really engage in the experience of summertime with our families, but also set a really good example of that kind of being present for your family. You know, I had a real wake up call when my son Rafe, not too long ago, told me, mama, 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 and he's like pulling on my sleeve. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. But I think I was still looking at my phone. And he said, no, I want you to listen with your eyes. And oh, yeah, isn't that what we all want? We all want to be seen. We want that person to be truly present to us. So give your family the gift of that, you being truly present and seeing them and being with them this summertime. The next is to make a list. I really recommend making a summer list. We haven't done it yet this year, but we did it last year, and I'm planning to do it again, where the whole family kind of puts their input, especially the younger kids like to doing this, remembering past things that you did and past summers that you enjoyed. Um, You know, the rules are nothing too extravagant. They have to be doable. Um, Things like, you know, spending a day at the beach or um, hiking a certain trail or, um, you know, eating popsicles outside after dinner or whatever, you know, just small things that maybe you wouldn't think to do every day. Um, And kids are great about remembering what they've really enjoyed that you've done in the past. And I think making like kind of a big, long list of these things is really helpful. Last year, we did it and I just kept it on the refrigerator. And we kind of made a game out of, you know, crossing them off as we did them. When we were trying to plan what to do with some free time, we'd go and consult the list and see if anything on there inspired us. And um, so I found that that was a really fun way as a family to kind of focus on making the most out of our summertime together. And so I think making a list is great. You can make your own maybe and not share it with your family if there's personal stuff that you want to enjoy about summer. Uh, But having a family list too is a really helpful way to make sure that everybody is being heard with regard to what their preferences are. The next thing I want to mention is to eat stuff, eat good stuff. This is summertime. Taste things because summertime tastes delicious. You know, uh, if you have some great fresh food recipes that you use in the summertime, I would love it if you'd share them with me because um, I'm always looking for fresh salad recipes, new things to grill, stuff like, you know, that's part of what I really enjoy about the change of seasons is that we kind of change our menus around here and people's tastes change. And I try to use food that's generally fresh and appealing at this time of year. And so that means more fruits and vegetables, probably. It means, you know, grilling, maybe um, um, different kinds of things that aren't necessarily cooking the oven, those, you know, stews and soups that you're going to want in the fall. We don't really tend to do in the summertime. So, you know, maybe try a new vegetable, try a new salad recipe, or this is even better. Plant something that you can eat, plant a garden, something that's going to produce something you can eat. Let me give you a tip here. Super easy. Go to a garden center. If you are not a gardener, if you don't want to plant things and worry about them from seed, you can go and get started plants at a garden center. Go get some lettuce or spinach or cucumbers or a small tomato plant. You can even get them already producing food that you can eat and put them in the ground at your house or put them in containers, depending on where you live and what you have access to. So fun. You know, every year I have this little spot um, that's that Dan set up for me years ago that uh, is surrounded by cobblestones, and it's really good dirt in there. You know, it's, it's years of planting and replenishing the soil. So 
anything I put in there does really well. I'm not much of a gardener, but like years like this year where, you know, we're already past the middle of June and I haven't put anything in the ground yet. I'm still not despairing because I will put some things in the ground. I will buy some plants ready made, call it cheating if you want. But to me, it makes me happy to have like a little salad garden. So I'll put out some cucumbers and, uh, you know, a million different kinds of lettuce or spinach and, um, I always end up putting out some kind of vegetables that can survive a little bit of cold weather, go into the fall season, um, you know, toward the end of the season. So take advantage of the opportunity you have to connect with nature and connect with your food in that way. Also along those lines, um, I'd like to encourage you to do something new this summer especially something new outdoors. Challenge yourself. Find something that maybe will challenge you physically, like hiking a hard trail or, you know, climbing a mountain even or signing up for a race like a bike race or a running race or, um, you know, something that's going to physically challenge you. I, I really think summertime's a great time to get outdoors and, you know, experience new things physically to use your body in a way that maybe you don't tend to in the wintertime, you know, and maybe you want to learn to, to uh, bike race or go kayaking or learn to fish or go out on a boat ride, you know, figure out what it is, some new way that you can challenge yourself, especially physically, to get outdoors and enjoy nature in the way that God intended you to. Um, you know, I think sometimes we get lost in the idea that, you know, we we live in our homes and we've got all of our appliances. And I think we get so far removed from nature, especially during long winter months here in New Hampshire, for sure, that um, challenging yourself physically outdoors, especially, is a great way to enjoy your summer and experience something new and different and um, stimulating this summertime. The next thing I want to mention is reading, summer reading. I have such fond memories of summer reading lists from libraries when I was a kid, keeping track of my summer reading when I was in high school and college, preparing for fall courses. It was just a time when I could really, you know, I love to read anyway, but it was a time that I could really just kind kind of savor books. I have such fond memories as a kid of going to the library, getting out stacks and stacks and stacks of books. My mom was great. I guess the librarians were patient with us. We took out so many books. And in the summertime, and my mom, as you know, special treat, it wasn't school uh, season, so we didn't have to do lights out at a certain time. We were allowed to sit in our beds after, you know, our bedtime in the summer with the lights on, with a fan running, and read our stacks and stacks of books until we were tired enough to go to sleep. And I have such great memories of that. And so I still, to this day, will enjoy just having that time. It feels like so indulgent, so lovely to spend time reading before bed like that, especially in the summertime. And it's a great way with your kids to encourage your kids to read. If you have a reluctant reader or a struggling reader, this is a great way that you can encourage them that, um, you know, give them that little treat of you can stay up and read books at nighttime. It really kind of cements in their minds that this is a special and fun, enjoyable thing to be doing. So summer's a great time to read. You can use your library. There are so many different ways that you can get books now that don't even have to cost you money. A lot of libraries have these lending programs, even for your Kindle. If you have a Kindle, you can take out books. You can borrow them from your library um, on your Kindle and get the Kindle version on there. So, so many different options and um, lots of great stuff to read out there from classics to modern fiction and whatnot. So, find something that you will enjoy and then indulge in it this summertime. 
The final way I want to talk about to slow down and enjoy, really savor the summer season is to have people over. Invite for your friends over. This is something I think a lot of us put off because we're thinking, oh, I have to have the perfect plan for dinner. My house needs to be in perfect shape. The The kids need haircuts or, you know, whatever it is, can't have people over. We put up these mental blocks and that's so sad because when we do let go of our perfectionism a little bit and actually invite people over we can relax and enjoy being with our friends and give them that gift of hospitality. I think there's no better time to let go of those kinds of perfectionist restrictions than in the summertime when you can have people over and everything feels so much more casual. You don't have to be sitting you know, around a dining room table. You can be in your backyard around a fire pit or you can, you know, you don't have to have a fancy roast in the oven. You can barbecue and um, enjoy being outside with your friends and really just kind of connecting. I think summer's a great time for that kind of hospitality that we honestly, we should be practicing year round. But in the summertime is an especially good time when people have more relaxed, relaxed schedules, they might have more free time, they might have vacation time or um, be willing to spend a weekend afternoon or evening just hanging out with friends. It doesn't even have to be a big to do. Um, Some people that we know, put on a regular barbecue by inviting people over and just asking people to bring food to share. And it always works out. There's always enough food, a variety of different things. Um, So that way it doesn't cost a lot to host that event. But even if you don't feel like putting on a big thing, just invite another couple over, invite another family over and invite your mom and dad or your uncle Jeff over, you know, people that you aren't regularly making these kinds of invitations to go out of that comfort zone just a little bit and invite some people over and enjoy the summertime together. So those are the the ways that I want to remind you to slow down and savor summer. So just to review, um, there, be present, make a list, eat good food, do something new, read and invite your friends over. So if if I've left anything out, if there's some way that you are really planning to or already savoring your summer, let me know. Send me feedback at danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on Voxer. I would love to get a voice message from you, letting me know what you're enjoying about your summer, in what ways you remind yourself to slow down and really enjoy downtime with friends and family during what can otherwise be a very busy or overscheduled time of year. So send me that voice message. You can go to daniellebean.com and click leave voice feedback. That will take you to SpeakPipe in which you can leave a 90 second message for free. Um, You don't need any fancy equipment. You can do it right from your computer or from your phone. Uh, But then also I mentioned Voxer is a great app where you can leave me a voice message or you can record your own MP3 if you're fancy like that and just email it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com or good old fashioned email or leaving a comment on the show notes at daniellebean.com. I would love to hear from you and share your thoughts in a future episode. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. So this week, I was thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with Lisa Mladnik from AmazingCatechists.com. Lisa is an all-around awesome person with a background in Hollywood and just uh, a great catechist and an author who shares beautifully about women's issues and graceful ways of aging from a Catholic perspective. Just um, amazing stuff that she does. She's an all-around really fun person to talk to, and I know you're going to enjoy our conversation. Take a listen.
me to be welcoming a friend of mine to the show today. Lisa Mladnik is a Catholic wife and homeschooling mom, a catechist, workshop leader, and the author of True Radiance, Finding Grace in the Second Half of Life. Her children's prayer book, Heads Bowed, Prayers for Catholic School Days, is due out this summer. She writes for Catechist Magazine, is a regularly scheduled guest on Relevant Radio's Morning Air with John Harper, and can be reached through her website, AmazingCatechists.com. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. This is too much fun. (laughs) Now, you're most famous about your your work with catechists, but I was so excited to see your book come out, True Radiance, talking about the process of aging and how we do that and how we approach that as women of faith. It was just such a needed topic. I'm so happy you wrote that book, and I hope my listeners will check it out. Oh, it's been an incredible experience uh, working on it and talking to other women. It really healed my life. I'm a woman in my, you know, almost late 50s. I'll be 57 later this year. And uh, it really, truly changed my life. And, And I'm finding that there was a great need for it, getting a lot of feedback. Absolutely. Such a needed countercultural message about the beauty and the joys of aging. So thank you for doing that. But I'm going to be asking you about our regular questions, the ones that we do here (laughs) all the time, asking the same questions of everybody who comes on Girlfriend. So let's just dive right in, Lisa. Can you tell us about a time when you really felt like you triumphed? When did you first ever feel a sense of achievement with your work or in your personal life? Um, I, I got kind of dragged into teaching my daughter's first grade religion class. And I'm here in New York, and I had a very tough DRE. She's long since retired now. But she came up to me when I first signed on in front of a whole bunch of people and said, Long Island parents are going to eat you alive. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 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 oh great. Okay. <laughs> and, and I had been I had been teaching sort of character development and puppetry and stuff to children at the YMCA and children's you know, like nursery school programs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just had this and I, I'm an ex-actress. So I had this kind of kinesthetic, very high activity style. And so I just brought that into the classroom. And the first couple of weeks, this DRE had veteran catechists observing me. And at the end of both of those classes, the, the two individuals said to me, separately, you should be teaching workshops for catechists. Wow. And um, so I started to think about it and dream about it and pray about it. And within a few years, a priest friend of mine put me in touch with a retreat master who set up a workshop with three parishes at once, my first shot out. And of course, driving out to Connecticut to do this, I woke up sick. I had no voice. Oh my gosh. And so I just prayed and sang and and just tried to like give it over to God. And mm-hmm. at the end of the workshop, he came up to me and said, this is just what I've been looking for. Oh, my gosh. So I just give thanks to God. It just first time out. And uh, and all I, all I can say is that God puts us together piece by piece. He wastes nothing. So the lesson there was that he'd been preparing me for a long time. It wasn't just that moment. And that he, through grace, you know, the fear was overcome and the connection was made with the people and, and all those little gifts yeah. that had been given to me along the way that I was able to give back to them. It was just a beautiful experience that encouraged me to trust God more. Wow, that's a great story. And, you know, we see where you've come with your catechist work since then and the kinds of workshops that you do today <laughs> really come a long way from being told that the parents were going to eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just funny. You know, I must have just looked so green and frightened that she, she was warning me. I think she thought she was 
probably doing me a kindness, you know, just right. to get warning you, for it. toughening you up a little bit. <laughs> well, and you do need to be right, toughened up, though, really don't you? Them. A little bit. I mean, I, I know my husband and I have served as DRE at our parish, and I know what parish politics can feel like, and I know what dealing with parents that can really be a challenge sometimes. You must have run into at least a little bit of that. Well, I, I guess. Yes, a little bit here and there, but for the most part, because I think I come from an entertainment background, and I and I'd also because any actress is also probably uh, you know in her background a waitress or a bartender, and I've sure. done both for a, I did both for a long time. You just get comfortable with people. You become socially bold. Mm-hmm. So I was, and I'd been in New York a long time. I'd lived in the for many years. I was a Brooklyn girl for a long, long time after having been a Navy brat and a suburban kid all my childhood. Mm-hmm. And so that prepared me. I was, it's not like I was you know, afraid of anybody. You know what right. I'm saying? And so sure. parents, New Yorkers respond to that. If you kind of give it right back to them in a warm and, and engaging way, they like you immediately, they respect you, and they start to support you. So I really never, never had a problem there. Great. And some good uh, tips for dealing with Long Island parents here on the Girlfriends Podcast. <laughs> you never, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get here. <laughs> well, they're fabulous people. They're just strong-minded, and yeah. so you have to be strong-minded too. That's all. That's wonderful. <laughs> great, great that you had that experience. All right. So moving on from the triumph, let's talk about some mistakes. Can you tell us about a mistake you once made, Lisa, either professionally or personally, and what did you learn from that mistake? Well, this was a really key mistake that I made because it, it made me more aware of the supernatural presence of God in my work with children. Mm-hmm. I had a very, very shy little girl in one of my catechism classes. It was a third grade class, and she never spoke, never smiled. She was a beautiful girl, and she was almost a doppelganger for another girl in the class who was her polar opposite, a dancer, kinesthetic you know, extremely vivacious. Mm-hmm. And uh, the vivacious one was Gina and the shy one was Alexandra. And at one point we were in circle time and I'm talking to the kids and it's very, you know, we uh, had a very rowdy class that year and we're kind of moving along. And I accidentally turned, I accidentally called Alexandra the shy one by Gina's name. And then I kind of just stopped myself real quick and went, I, I mean, Alexandra. And then I just started to move on, but I got this like elbow to the ribs from my guardian angel going, whoa, 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 not so fast. So I turned back to Alexandra and I said, Alexandra, you know, because I called you by the wrong name from now on, you can call me anything you want. And of course, the class clown immediately said, Bob. And I pointed, <laughs> my, <laughs> I pointed my finger at that kid and I said, only Alexandra can call me Bob. And I looked back at Alexandra, who I've never seen smile before, and she's just beaming at me. Well, a couple of weeks later, her grandmother, who always picked her up and dropped her off, came to me and said, I want you to know something about Alexandra. She has a doll she wants to give to you. And she did bring that doll later for me. It was a little nun doll. It was adorable. But, um, and, and she said, I want you to know something about her. Her mother abandoned her when she was an infant. And her father's a cop in New York City, works long hours. So her grandfather and I are raising Alexandra. And she has only really bonded with three women in her life. And one of them is you. Oh. And I was, oh, I was so like blown back. And at first I had this really vain reaction. And I said to her, oh, really? Why? Because I thought I was going to get all this praise. And she took her finger and she made a little oval around her face. And I went, oh, do I look like Alexandra's mother? And she said, yes, you do. Oh. And so I just, it, it was so humbling because I realized that without realizing it, God had been using me to touch the heart of a little girl who wow. was so wounded and it was just because I looked like her mother it wasn't because I was this you know incredible catechist it was because I reminded her of somebody Mm -hmm. and if I had 
been careless about her feelings when I called her by the wrong name, hence the guardian angel elbow to my ribs. Mm -hmm. Just think how much that would have hurt that little girl in front of everyone to be disregarded or or to have it fluffed off. And so the the lesson that I learned is that we just don't know how God is using us without our, our being aware, how much we might be touching somebody who doesn't even seem to be reacting or responding to us so that we should respect that be very, you know, if you make a mess, clean it up. If you make a mistake, make sure you really attend to it. That was the lesson for that. Wow. That is an amazing story and such an important lesson to, to pay attention to those things. And the, the reminder that we don't know how God's using us. I know, I think we all have had that kind of experience when we're surprised by some way that God has used us accidentally, it seems, to touch the lives of yeah. other people that, you know, like, really? You know, <laughs> sometimes people remind me of something that I said that meant a lot to them. And I think, gosh, I don't even recall ever thinking or saying those words. <laughs> You know, just like, I guess I can't really take credit for it. So um, really an important message for us to remember, because you know what, especially in today's world of fast and instant communication, it, there's such a, a, a temptation to kind of treat things trivially, treat communication trivially, to say something and move on and think there are no consequences to it. But a really important reminder that everything we do and say matters. And especially Mm -hmm. when we're touching the hearts of children, which you do in that beautiful way. Oh, thank you. That's such a great, great way to to draw that out into the wider spectrum of our communication. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's see. Moving on to our regular questions here, Lisa. Um, I just love, I just have to pause. I have to hit the pause button for a second. (laughs) Because I love talking to all these different women from different backgrounds. It is so awesome. It is like this happy accident from me putting together this podcast that I get to talk to amazing women from all different walks of life and get their perspectives on these same topics. It's really very encouraging and inspiring. So first of all, thank you for sharing oh, from your heart. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm just loving your joy too. Thank you so much for that. A great way to start my day. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Well then Lisa, can you tell us what's the, what's the best advice you ever received? Who gave it to you and how do you try to implement it in your life? Well, first I'd just like to give a shout out to my husband who's given me a lot of little tidbits that have been incredibly useful because I'm kind of a um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a creative type, so I can be a little scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. And my husband taught me to live below my means, to buy quality items that last, to take the scrambled eggs out of the pan before they're finished cooking so they don't get dry. But I have to say that... <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> so I to, yeah, I want to just give, give him that credit because that really has affected my life. But I have to say one of my favorite, probably one of the best pieces of advice, advice I ever received was from an acting teacher, not a person of faith, when she said, and of course, I've gotten beautiful advice through books and talks on faith. Mm -hmm. But as far as just working and being, because I'm such an overly emotional person, this acting teacher taught us that any state is a creative state, that no matter what you're feeling, you can work from that place. If you accept it, if you own it, you can move from there without being burdened by your feelings mm-hmm. into wherever you need to be creatively. And so that, that means that no matter how exhausted I am, happy, sad, distracted, whatever, that's a place from which I can write. Mm-hmm. I can meet the people in my life where they're at. I can, do you know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. that is, as long as you're not trying to cover it up, you know, suppress it, push it down, wasting energy trying to deny where you're at, you just know it. It doesn't mean you 
indulge it and wallow in it. You just right. know it. You feel it. You allow it. And then you're not burdened by it and you can just be fluid. And so I, that's been really helpful to me just kind of across the spectrum of wow. life and work. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And, you know, especially as women, I think we need to hear that message because you're not the only one who struggles with emotionalism, Lisa, let oh. me tell you. <laughs> and, and especially as I think as women, when we go through hormonal changes, whether it's pregnancy or breastfeeding or menopause, that there's always these fluxes going on inside of our bodies that affect not just our bodies, but our brains and our feelings and make us cry at embarrassing moments. And you know, <laughs> I do that all all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it's something that I've really, and you know, some of us do that more than others. And I think that it's something that I've kind of come to terms with as I've had more experience as, especially inside of my family life, that it's okay to have these feelings and own them. That's, that's such great advice to just be comfortable with who you are and ex experiencing what you are and feeling what you are. And own it. It's part of your experience. And with me in my family life, everybody rolls their eyes about me crying all the time. You know, <laughs> like we have this tradition on birthdays where we go around and everybody around the table says one of their favorite things about the birthday person, you know, and I am just a mess by the end of it. You know, just this big blubbery mess and I can't even talk to do my turn. And my family just laughs about it. But to me, I'm like, you know what? I am giving them the gift of heartfelt emotion here in this instance. I am feeling for my entire family. <laughs> and it's a gift we give to them. We need to own it. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Because I think of you as somebody who really has it all together. I really do. Oh, my and gosh. <laughs> my, my best friend calls them my merry moments. Because so often I'm telling stories about how Our Lady has touched my life or something. And I just blubber. And every <laughs> she's always like, are you crying yet? Are you crying yet? Like, <laughs> We could be in a movie side by side or something and she'll elbow me and go, are you crying yet? Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I think it's a gift we give to the world. You know, the world could use a little bit more heartfelt love and emotion and dedication, that kind of deep feeling. So no more coldness. We're warm, aren't we? We are warm. Oh, we're warm. warm and wet. That's right. Warm and wet. Yeah. It comes in flashes. Oh my gosh, so funny. All right, well, moving on to our next question here. Lisa, what is something that people might be surprised to find out about you, this emotional catechist woman? <laughs> well, when I was a little girl, I obsessively pretended to be Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh my gosh, did you dress like her? I did. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I didn't really have the right clothes, but I bought a pair of gigantic red high heels at a church sale, um, which I scuffed around in. And, and lucky I didn't break my ankle or something. And I had this tin picnic basket that was had like sort of stenciled on or something. It looked like wicker, but it was actually made of metal. And I used to, you know, run around with that. And I had really, really thin hair. So I had these two little stick braids coming out of my head. And <laughs> And, and I tried every night when I would go to sleep, I would obsessively try to pre try to make myself dream about that movie, about the, the tornadoes coming. Okay, and I'd visualize it, and I'd lie in bed trying to dream about it. And every once in a while, I'd, I'd get a little flicker of a dream about it. But man, oh I wanted to be Dorothy. That is off. so cute. <laughs> <laughs> now, as an actress, did you ever play the part? No, I did not. But um, what, what I kind of see as my equivalent is that I did a show when I was in college that was, was a, a regional theater, and I got to be the swashbuckling heroine. I was sword fighting, singing, dancing. It was crazy. It was so much fun. Wow. And a, a movie star, someone who was really a hot star at the time, 
showed up with her agent's assistant because she was a friend of one of the producers. And I got discovered and asked to come to New York. And they said they were going to make me a star. They didn't. Um, what? But it was this amazing experience. And, the, and I'll tell you the name of the movie star just because I thank her so much. And, and she hasn't been well in recent years, but she was so kind to me. Her, Kathleen Turner was the person who came to my oh, show. Oh, wow. And she was doing Peggy Sue Got Married and a bunch of other really kind of hot movies around that time. And she was huge. And she just came up to me and complimented me afterwards and so I got invited to go to Oz it was like uh I was this nobody in college and met this sort of good witch you know you know what I mean like, she was like my Glinda and then I went to Oz I went to New York City and it completely changed my life you know I had a lot many many years of kind of writing and performing and doing all sorts of whack stuff that prepared me for everything I'm doing now. Wow, that's crazy. I love that. I love that you have that background and that you you bring it to religious ed classes. That's the best. That is the best. Yeah, who knew? (laughs) Kathleen Turner was behind it all. Yeah, thank you, Kathleen Turner, wherever you are. God bless you. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Okay, well, I think we should move on to your lightning round so that we can make sure we have time to get this in. Are you nervous for it? I try to make people nervous, but they're not really scary (laughs) questions. You just got me relaxed, and now you got me nervous again. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. This was my goal. (laughs) Well, yeah. No, you'll be all right. Just 60 seconds of fun, fast questions. You can totally do it. We're just going to learn a little bit more about you, Lisa. Are you ready for it? Okay. Okay, here we go. Lisa Mladnik on the Girlfriends Lightning Round. Here we go. Lisa, what's your favorite way to hang out and connect with friends and family? Oh, I love it when we sing. If somebody can play the piano or the guitar or something, I just lose myself in singing songs. Oh, fun. That's great. Okay, what was the last Netflix you watched, and was it Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down? Oh, it was Thumbs Up. Way it was, I forget the name of it, Marguerite or something like that. It was a French movie with Gerard Depardieu where he's illiterate and he meets this age, this elderly scientist woman and he starts to learn to love words and books. You're so artsy. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right, Lisa. What has surprised you most about growing older? Oh, that I could be so happy. Nice. That I could, that I could be that God could continue His conversation with me in new and fresh ways that would make me feel the meaningfulness and the beauty of aging. That's awesome. Okay. On a day off, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Oh, just like reading something I want to read, but I don't have to read for work. Yeah, reading. Excellent. And that's it. We're out of time. You did it. (laughs) See, that wasn't hard. You did great. (laughs) I didn't even get to ask you some of your catechist-specific questions, but that's okay. We'll have to have you back on to talk about it. But, you know, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on. I really appreciate it, taking the time to share with us here on Girlfriends. But before we have to say bye, is there something you're working on right now? What are you doing? I mentioned in your bio that new book that's coming out. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's coming out soon. It's coming out next month. Heads bowed, prayers for Catholic school days. And what I love about it is that each prayer for each school day is a little catechetical lesson. There's a scripture for the week. There's the dedications of the days, which are traditional in the church, dedications of the months, the liturgical year. And so the way each prayer is structured teaches both the student and the parent or catechist or Catholic school teacher. And um, and at the back is a glossary. So that if there's odd sort of churchy words in the scriptures or in the prayers that the, the adult doesn't recognize or a child asks about, 
they can flip that back to the glossary and get another little catechetical lesson. Wow. Uh, only a real catechist would know that you need all that. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. That sounds great. That really sounds like a real, a real gift to the church and to those of us involved in faith formation. So beautiful. Looking forward to that coming out this summer. And um, where can people find out more about what you're doing and what's going on in your life, Lisa? Well, at my website, amazingcatechist.com, there's a tab on the navigation bar that just has my name. And if you click there, you'll see where I'm speaking, although it's not really updated at the moment, <laughs> um, what I'm writing, a few media interviews, things like that. And, and I'll get that updated soon because I've got all sorts of stuff coming up. Sounds great. Thanks, so that's uh, amazingcatechists with an S at the end dot com. That's Lisa Mladnik. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really enjoyed our conversations. And thank you so much for the gift that you are to the church, the talents and the joy and enthusiasm that you bring to everything that you do. Oh, same right back at you, uh, Danielle. You're one of my heroes going way back. <laughs> yeah, going way back. And you're not we... even old enough to <laughs> go way back. <laughs> oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> We'll grow old together, right? Excellent. Well, thank you, and God bless you. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Lisa Mladnik a little bit. If you didn't already um, know of her work, I'm going to have her website and um, her book and all of her various projects and the places that she writes things online linked up in the show notes at daniellebean.com. Now, in the feedback section here, I wanted to share a note that I got on Voxer, a written note on Voxer from Erica. Um, I didn't know you could send messages writing on Boxer, but she promises to send a voice message next time so you all will get to hear from her. Anyway, um, Erica writes, Hey, girlfriend, it's so nice to hear from you. I always count on listening to your podcast every Monday. This is Erica from Orlando, specifically from St. Mary Magdalene community. Please keep us in your prayers. Our community has been hit so hard by the tragedy that occurred last Sunday. Everyone is trying to comprehend and make sense of what has happened. I am struggling with explaining all of this to my girls. It's refreshing to hear from our priests on the unconditional love that God has for all of us. I am new at this Voxer thing, so next time I will send you a voice message. Know that you are loved and very much appreciated in our community. Keep on doing what you are doing with much love, Erica. So thank you, Erica, for sending us that note from Orlando, which has very much been in the news and in our hearts and in our minds over the past couple of weeks. We recognize that your community is, is in a healing process, that there's so, there have been so many heartwarming stories of people helping and reaching out, but there's also been divisive stories on uh, the topic of what has happened in Orlando. So I thought maybe I would just share Erica's feedback here um, and then invite all of you listening to just join me in prayer for Orlando, for the community of Orlando. And I thought it might be appropriate. I found this prayer online. Who um, It was written by Bishop John Noonan from the Diocese of Orlando, and he encourages all to pray this prayer. So I think as we're closing out the show today, we'll just um, join together as girlfriends and pray for Orlando. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all life is sacred as each one of us is made in the image and likeness of God. We cherish each person as a child of God. We pray for victims of violence and acts of terror for their families and friends, and all those affected by such acts against God's love. We pray for the people of the city of Orlando that God's love and mercy will be upon us as we seek healing and consolation. 
Every time we look at the cross, we see how God has forgiven us in Christ with a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We dry the tears of those who weep and mourn as gently as Veronica wiped the Lord's bleeding face on the Via Dolorosa. May the peace of Christ dwell within our heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now before we have to go, I want to thank you for joining me here on Girlfriends. I want to thank you for being here week after week and joining me in prayer, in laughter, in sharing, in sharing even the tears and the trials and the hardships of life and always coming together in that prayerful attitude. I really cherish what we have here. I cherish the people who've reached out to me and let me know that this podcast helps them in their lives. I cherish the people who've entrusted me with some of their most challenging situations and asked me questions and uh, sought my support and advice. I'm very grateful for the fact that you you trust me in that way. Um, I know it's a privilege that you trust me with some of those things that are most on your heart and that matter most to all of us in this world. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. God bless you for all you do. And thank you for all the ways that you support this podcast. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.